If you would like to turn to Hebrews chapter 5, we're going we're gonna to look at that this, this morning. We're going to have another week before we get into Hebrews chapter 6, which will be great, but it's kind of, kind of a bit recognised as being quite tricky and quite hard. So we're going to have another week in Hebrews 5 first. We'll touch on the first few verses of chapter 6. We're going to look at Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11, uh, to chapter 6, verse 3. I'll read it first. Hebrews 5, verse 11. We have much to say about this, and by this he's referring to the fact he's just been talking about Jesus as our high priest, Jesus being a high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And he wants to go on and explain more about what that all means. But before he does, he says this, We have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. Okay, so through the early chapters of Hebrews so far, he's been building up this wonderful truth. Wonderful truth. Jesus, the Son of God, the one who is greater than the angels, the one who is greater than Moses, the one who is the author of salvation. Most recently, about Jesus, our great high priest, the one who is forever our perfect representative before the Father, the perfect sinless one, who nevertheless understands completely, the one who was tempted in every way, the one who went through it all. One who is like the earthly priests and yet totally different. Not another of Aaron's line, not another priest kind of son of Aaron, another, son, another, another one who has come from that line, but of the order of Melchizedek. And, and that's what he's wanting to go on to say more about, and he will do a bit later on. But, ouch. Ouch, he tells it like it is, doesn't he? He's keen, to do, he's keen to just proclaim this truth, this wonderful truth. But already up to now, he's been exhorting them in the early chapters. Chapter 2, verse 1, we must pay more careful attention. In chapter 3, verse 1, he starts, therefore, fix your thoughts on Jesus. In chapter 3, he says this, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a... Uh, a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily. He's got this great desire for them to press on, to keep going. He's got a great love for them. It's not just that he wants to proclaim the truth, put it out there, but he wants them to get hold of it. He wants them to, to re- it really to affect their lives. And so, so for that reason, he wants to go on and talk more about Melchizedek and how he points to Jesus. But, ouch. It's hard because you are slow to learn. Can you put it back up, Frankie? I'm wondering what it says in 
chapter 5, verse 11. Let me see. Yeah. The NIV is updated to say, this is almost even more plain. You no longer try to understand. The ESV uses the term that you're dull of hearing. And other, other translations say things like, you're spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. It's got this whole sense. You guys, you're just in a real sluggish, lazy, apathetic state. The truth's just kind of washing over you. You're not, you're not getting it. You're not taking it in. You need to wake up. It's a bit of a wake-up call in the middle here. He's been exhorting them, he's been encouraging them, but here it's like, guys, we can't go on, because you just, you just, it's not going in. So this, these few verses are a bit, it's a wake-up call, it's a bit of a taking stock, and open your eyes, guys, see where you're at. That's an opportunity for us today as well. So what does he say in this, in these few verses? He, he uses a picture about what babies drink. He uses a picture of babies need milk. But children grow up and they start, they don't keep drinking milk, they start eating other things. But these guys, they need milk, not solid food. So what is it? Is he, is he kind of a bit against milk? He's a bit anti... He, uh, guys, you're not still, you're not still on the, that, that old rubbish. You're not still dealing with those primitive ideas. No. No, he's not saying that at all. He knows the milk of the gospel, it's it's, it's glorious, truth-filled stuff. It's wonderful. One one Peter gives a a similar but different use of of milk. 1 Peter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. Peter recognises that milk, the milk of the, 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 the truth that you can just drink in is so vital, it's so wonderful, it's, it's, it's glorious stuff. Peter tells us to crave it, go after it, drink it in. Don't stop, keep, keep going after it. He's using that, look, you understand that a baby, you know when a baby's hungry, you know when a baby wants some milk. You know it. Go after it like that. Make, make it clear. I want this. I want to keep, keep going after God. But in Hebrews, the, the analogy is subtly different. He's kind of specifically saying, look, a baby has milk to start with. But what does the milk do? It causes the baby to grow. It causes the baby to grow. And then an, a child and then an, an adult can tackle more substantial food, can take on harder things to chew and to swallow. He wants them to have taken in the milk, to have that solid foundation in them so that they can build on it, so that they can go on and grow, so that they grow up in Christ. What he's saying is he shouldn't need to convince them of the foundations again. But what's he, what's he talking about? What, what foundations is he talking about? He goes on to talk about them a bit, and maybe we'll look at that 6, 1 and 2 in more detail again. But 
For now, I want a little bit of help. Frankie, could you put the slide up? It's coming. If you Now, I'm going to see. Years ago in Kids Club, we would talk about these all the time, but I want to see, if you're under 10, do you know what these things are? Anyone who's under 10, can you tell me what those things are? Go on then. Yeah. It is a heart and an X and a, and a cross and a question mark. Now, Gareth. Oh, here we go. We're getting some stuff now. So we've got a heart and a cross and, a, and an X and a cross and a question mark. And Gareth said that the cross is for when Jesus died on the cross. That's true. Now, I'm looking for a specific name. Teenagers, can you help me now? What, what are these all four things together? Come on, someone. This is a lot more hard work than I was thinking. Four most important things in the world? The four points? I've misjudged this analogy, haven't I? I've misjudged this picture. No one's going with this. Anyway. If Karis was here, Karis would know. That's fantastic. Now. It's good. See, see I, I was going to get all sorts of help this morning. Now. Gareth's given me some help. Johnson's given me some help. Here's a heart across an X. Sorry, a heart, an X, a cross, and a question mark. Gareth told me that the cross is about Jesus dying on the cross. What do you think the heart is about? Anyone? Go on, Ellie. God loves me. God, this, this is foundational truth. The holy, awesome God of everything. The one, the perfect one who created everything. The one who is king over the universe loves me. Okay, what do you think the first cross is? Gareth. Sin. Ooh, that's fantastic. You've got, you've, got, you've got two points rolled into one there. That's fantastic. The first cross. I have sinned. I have sinned. It's a big mess. We've fallen short, all of, each and every one of us. We can't be with God forever. We're, we're, doomed, we're doomed to die and be away from God. We're lost. Gareth already told me that the next one, this is hallelujah. Jesus died for me. He made a way. By his blood, we can come to God. There's nothing that I can do. It's not any, not any works that I can do, not any rituals that I can perform, nothing that I can do myself. But because of what he has done, because he died, because of his grace, I can be raised, I can be with him. What do you think the question mark means? What are we going to do about it? Fantastic. So I must decide to live my life for God. We need to turn around. We need to repent. Say sorry. God, I'm going your way, not my way now. If we come on to look at 6 verse 1 and 2, we're going to see something quite similar. Maybe in a different order. But that's the truth. That's the truth. We were lost. We had sinned. We were away from God. We could do nothing about it. No rituals, no works, no, no, no anything good that we think we could do could bring us back. But the God of the universe loves us, so he sent his son and he died for us. So that we can come to him and forever be with him. It's foundational, wonderful truth. 
and everyone, but kids in particular, remember this, believe this, trust him. I would encourage you to love this. Has anyone got any smaller person got a Bible with you? Josh, you've got one. Has anyone got, anyone even smaller got a Bible with them? Anyway, my point is, you might have a different one. You might have the Jesus Storybook Bible. You might have the Beginner's Bible. You might have a different translation. But I urge you, I encourage you, hear it. Love it. Love those stories. Get your mum and Keep badgering your mum and dad. Read me one of these. Read me one of these stories. Because the milk of the gospel, the spiritual truth that is in there, the wonderful grace of God, get hold of it. Parents, even if it's David and Goliath again for the seventh day in a row, read it. Read it. Hear that truth. Take every opportunity. If you've just, if you've just, you're just exploring this or you've just come to know Jesus, get stuck into the word. Love it. Press in. Every opportunity. Hear the word. Read it. Do it. The writer of the Hebrews isn't saying, yeah, you know that basic stuff you heard at first? Ah, forget about that. Move on to this really juicy stuff. No. No. It's not that we move on from the cross to more sophisticated things. Sometimes when we're learning some things, we can find out that actually it's a bit more complicated than we thought at first. Now, I don't know if this is still taught as a rule at school, but I remember being taught, it's I before E except after C. And you learn that at first, and you think, yeah. And it is, it, I'm, not, I'm not making any judgment on whether this is a good rule or not. But you, so, you start to realise, as you go a bit further, oh, well, reindeer doesn't have an I before it's E, and it's not after C. Oh, there's a, there's an, it's a different thing, because it's only talking about specific I's and E's. Ah, okay. Now, maybe people would think, you should have known that in the first place. Or maybe in other things, you think, oh... These words don't all follow that rule. Ah, I've got to be a bit more, it's a bit more complicated. I've got to think, oh, am I wrong on that one? No, you're dead right, I just hadn't realised. Oh, okay, that's good. I thought, I thought I was going down another silly example route where I was completely wrong. No, it's good. Reindeer does have the E first, and it doesn't have a C at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> but there's all sorts of things, you just have to realise, no, actually it's more complicated than that. It's more complicated. There are things that don't follow that rule. And we can kind of get into the thinking where we were taught the basics at first. It's about Jesus. It's about focusing on him. It's about that truth. It's about believing in him. Are we going to suddenly find, oh, no, it's a bit more complicated than that. You need to, need to add in something else. No, no, he's not saying that. He's not saying that when he says, no, you should have moved on from the milk. You should be, you should be chewing meat and you should be, you should be more sophisticated. No. It's about building on that truth, building on that solid foundation, building on the glorious truth that we just looked at. God loves me. I've sinned, but he has died for me. And so I can come to him. That is the truth. That's the truth, but they should have grown and matured. What does it mean? They should be standing firm. Standing firm on that solid truth, on those solid foundations. The solid foundations that he says in 6 I don't want to have to lay those foundations again. I don't want to have to convince you of it again. Stand firm on it. Ephesians 4.14 talks about, as we grow up, 
We're no longer infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men. As we grow, we learn to stand firm. We stand firm on the foundations. That, that milk that we've drunk in, that truth that has gone in, gives us a solid foundation to stand on. We know this is the truth. This is the truth and I'm going to stand on it. He tells them they should be teachers, but that they still need teaching the basics. We can think, oh, they should be teaching. Maybe he's just talking to a specific group. Maybe, it's, maybe he's just talking to guys like Rich who stand up the front. They should, they should have matured and they should, they should know what they're talking about. No. So this is a mark of maturity. This is a mark of growing up that you know the truth. You don't need it. You don't need the basics taught to you again. You're convinced. You're convinced. And therefore, you can, you can give that away. You can teach others. You can show others this is the truth. But they still need milk. So why, are they, why, why do they still need milk? Why are they not growing? Why have they not matured? We said in that fairly abrupt sentence, they're slow to learn or they're dull of hearing. They've stopped listening. They're not taking it in. But he also says further down in chapter 14, uh, chapter 14, verse 14, solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. He says they're dull of hearing, he says they're slow to learn, and then he he kind of explains part of the reason why. You're not putting it into practice. You're not living this out, guys. You're not, you're not, maybe you're hearing, you're, yeah, okay, yeah, this truth, blah, 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 but you're not doing it. You're not saying, actually, this is what I'm going to build my life on. Jesus tells a story in Matthew chapter 7. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm going I'm to bravely ask another question. Jesus tells a story about two builders. Now, do you, right, I'm going back to the under 10s. Do you know, what, what do the two builders build on? What do they use to put their, put their house on? There's something on it. Oh, go on. Yes. Sandy land and the rock. Very good. Thank you. So Jesus tells a story about two builders. One of them builds on the sand, and one of them builds on the rock. What does he say about them? Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Jesus highlights the importance as we hear the truth of his gospel. As he, as he, was, he was speaking to the people, he was giving them great truth about himself, about how to live lives, about how to, how to run after him. If we hear it, we don't put it into practice, what good is it? If we hear it and we, uh, yeah, okay, yeah, I know that truth, but I'm doing the opposite, what good is it? Jesus shows us the importance of hearing and doing. Look, the, the one who builds his house, the one who hears it, 
doesn't do it. It's like building on sand. What does sand do? Rain comes on sand. Pfft, whoosh. It's gone. But hearing and doing, you're building on a solid foundation. You're building on a strong foundation. You're building on rock. So to the Hebrews, the initial problem it's presented is that they're, oh, you're, you're just not hearing it. You're not getting it. You're not, it's not going in. But why? It's because they've heard the truth. They've had it spoken to them, but they haven't done it. They haven't been building on it. They haven't lived their lives according to that truth. The writer of the Hebrews makes the specific point, you've heard the truth. He tells them to remember, in chapter 13, verse 7, he tells them to remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God. They've heard truth. They've had it proclaimed to them. And in fact, the interesting thing, he reminds them in chapter 10, Previously, they've stood firm. Previously, they have put it into practice. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Hebrews 10, verse 32, he tells them, if I can find it. He tells them, remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. And he encouraged them, don't throw away your confidence. He knows they've stood before, but they haven't gone on. They've appeared strong. These aren't guys who just, they just seem a bit flaky and kind of, well, oh yeah, you had the gospel preached to you and there's no evidence of it at all. No, they've stood firm before. But he's saying you need to go on. You need to keep growing. We see the importance of hearing the word and living it out. Jesus says it in that story. Hear this word and do it. That's that's, that's building on strong foundations. Peter longs for them to crave the milk and therefore grow. Not just to drink it in, but to grow. And all through this letter so far to the Hebrews, that's been his cry. Pay attention, chapter 2, verse 1. Hold fast, chapter 3, verse 6. Exhort one another, chapter 3, 13. Make every effort. Verse four, chapter 4, verse 11. Hold firmly to this truth. Chapter 4, verse 14. He sees the importance of taking in the truth and living it out. Because he knows that's what causes us to grow in God. Hearing the truth, believing the truth, and building our lives on it. Continuing to press in to Jesus, to know him more. And to grow up. The writer of the Hebrews says that that's what causes them to mature and to distinguish between good and evil. So they can know, they know the truth. They know what's true. If you're hearing these words of mine, putting them into practice, that's like building on solid rock. That's his desire for them. That's why he, t- he steps out in the middle of this passage. He's not just jumping on to talk more about Melchizedek. He's saying, no, guys, see this, wake up, understand, understand. Don't stay in this place of 
being slow, dull of hearing, not, not really taking it in. No. Wake up, guys. So they're dull of hearing because they're not putting into practice what they've heard. They're not continuing to, to live out the truth of the gospel and go on to maturity. But what's his immediate answer? It's interesting. He tells them in chapter 5, verse 12, you need milk. What's the effect of you saying chapter 6, verse 1? No more milk. (laughs) We're going on. We're pressing on. Let us leave the elementary teachers about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance. What does he see as the answer? It's time to stand on the truth that you know. It's time to stand on the truth that has been put in you. To stand on this foundation. You've got it in you. It has been laid. You've had the gospel proclaimed to you. You know the truth. You know the truth that actually all our hope is in Jesus. You know the truth that we can stand firm on him. So let's go on. Let's go on. You may appear to me right now, he's saying, you're kind of sluggish, struggling. You you may look tired and you're not really, there's no joy there because you're just not taking it in and going for it. But the answer is, trust Jesus. Trust Jesus. Stand on the truth that you know. Look to him. Fix your eyes on him. Remember the truth of the gospel. In effect, it's very simple stuff. Know the truth and live it out. This morning for us, we have the same opportunity as those Hebrews had. Could this be, for some, a wake-up call? Could it be for all of us a time, let's take stock? Where are we at? Are we growing in God? Are we putting our faith in him? Are we trusting him? Are we, are we taking in the truth and are we living it out? Are we standing firm on that solid foundation that is Jesus and all that he has done for us and all that we are now brought into? In a sense, I'm just going to ask some questions. Because we've, we've got an opportunity to come to God and say, actually, I want to press into you more. I want to press into you more. I want to stand firm on this foundation and therefore grow in you. I want to be more like you. I want to grow in my knowledge of you, Jesus. So I'm going to ask some questions. Are we excited as we hear the words? Are we excited as we read it? Does it fill us with joy? If you were here last week, when we heard Jeremy talking about being an Antioch church, reaching out, having a vision to reach the nations, having a vision for people of every tribe and tongue to come, both here in Sheffield and across the world, seeing people from every nationality. Are we excited by what God's doing? Are we excited by what God's leading us into? As you're hearing me now, 
Maybe there's a response of, yes, I want to press on in God. I feel like I'm doing it, but I want to keep going. I want to press on more. Perhaps there could be a reaction of, ah, yeah, one of those messages. We need to hear it and put it into practice. Yep, yep, I know. I would encourage, I'm, not, I'm not saying that therefore there is something bad, but I would encourage you, why is that reaction coming? Because I would encourage you, God might want to nudge you today. Just say, actually, there's a chance to press into more. For some, maybe you've been a Christian some time, and God, I believe, is calling in his grace and love like a bit of an alarm clock. Wake up! It's time to grow in me. There is so much more for you. There's so much more. Because we can become dull and bogged down, sluggish, whatever word you want to use, not not pressing on, not learning, not growing. We see that these Hebrews, they previously stood in the face of persecution. They've been, they're not guys who, they look pretty incredible looking at that. Wow, well done guys. And yet the writer's saying, come on guys, you need to grow. Come on guys, you need to grow. It's easy for us to slide into a place of, am I really living this out? Right now. We, like them, can be encouraged again and again to fix our thoughts on Jesus. They were being warned, don't, guys, don't go back. Don't drift away. Don't go back to the synagogue. We can be encouraged. Press on. Press on in Jesus. An encouragement to throw off any sense of Apathy. Oh, I'm just kind of stuck here. Or complacency. Of, yeah, I know that. I know that truth. Oh, yeah, it's fine. I know it. Or likewise, a sense of disappointment. Yeah, I was, I was pressing in in that. I was living that. I was living that truth, but now it's just so hard. I don't know what to do. Perhaps for some, there's a specific challenge to apply the truth in specific areas of life. I believe Linda's word earlier was, was timely. But for some, there is a sense of coming back and understanding he loves you. He loves you. But I I, how could he love me? How could it be? How could it be? I'm not even sure I really love myself. This is the truth. He loves you. Stand firm in it. You can come to him today. The truth of his word is that we can trust him. We can trust him in everything. No one whose hope is in him will ever be put to shame. That's Psalm 27. There may be areas of our life we're thinking, but I I know I can trust God. I can trust him. I can trust Jesus in everything. But I go out into this and I'm, I'm just thrown about again. Whatever it may be. 
If God's calling, you can trust me. You can trust me. Stand firm on this truth. And see that you grow in me. Grow in maturity, in trusting me and pressing on. So close, I'm just going to go back to Ephesians chapter 4. I touched on it uh, earlier on. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. We, uh, I read uh, Ephesians 4.14. I'm going to read that and then go on to the next couple of verses as well. Ephesians 4.14 tells us, sort of, as we mature... Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love, as each part does its work. That's what we want. Isn't it? We want to grow in Christ. Drawn together, built together as a people, drawn into him. Becoming more like him. Relying more on him. Being built together in love. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you that you're your truth is true. Your, your gospel is solid and glorious and wonderful and the truth of your word. As we build our lives on that, it is like building on solid rock. Lord, I pray that we would hear the truth. Lord, that where we need to wake up and press into you, Lord, we would, we would come back to you. God, we would press in knowing that it's all about you. Lord, that your word is true. We can trust it. We can believe it. We can press on, standing firm in the truth of your gospel. Standing firm in Christ. Lord, that where in any way we've kind of become dull uh, and we're not... We're not managing to live things out. We're not hearing clearly. We're not listening properly. Lord, that we would be drawn again to you today. And receive grace. Receive mercy. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Let's stand and worship him.